All right, I'm going to start off with a statement that's pretty obvious. God doesn't do things the way we do things. Amen. I got an amen. That's good. That's what I wrote on my notes even next to that. Amen. God doesn't do things the way you do things. And I'm looking around the room and I'm thinking, thank you, Lord. You're looking up at me and you're saying, thank God that you don't do things the way that Eric does things, right? God is other than. He is other than. He's infinite. He's one of a kind. A reason to be thankful this day. This is what Job chapter 11 has to say about the Lord. It says, can you fathom the mysteries of God? Can you probe the limits of the Almighty? They are higher than the heavens above. What can you do? They are deeper than the depths below. What can you know? Their measure is longer than the earth and wider than the sea. God is other than. There is no one like him. And nothing is impossible for God. Nothing. I remember that song growing up. Nothing, nothing, absolutely nothing. Nothing is too difficult for thee. I got a few people singing along with me. You all must be 39 also today. (laughs) Plus a few. Anyway, nothing is impossible for God. God can do anything that he pleases. Nothing is out of his grasp. God is God, and we are not. And we should be so grateful today for that. And nowhere is this reality clearer than when we look at Christmas. You see, Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. And that's the title of today's message. Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. And so the first thing we're going to look at is what does it mean to be supernatural? If Christmas is reminding us that God is supernatural, if God is supernatural... What is this thing that's supernatural? Supernatural means to be above and beyond the laws of nature. Simply put, above and beyond the natural. A miracle is always supernatural. Because a miracle is what? It's an occurrence in which God intervenes, overrules the natural state of things, and does something other than, greater than, beyond What could ever happen without him showing up? Supernatural. You got the natural, and then you got the super, the above the natural. We all live in the natural. Not a yellow submarine, that just came to me. But anyway, we all live in the natural. God is supernatural. It just reminds me, I'm looking back here. At our brother, Jeff Newton. He's, uh, he's our care pastor here at Evident Life Church. And if you approach Jeff on a Sunday morning or any day, and you say, hey, Pastor Jeff, how you doing? Jeff is going to respond super naturally. <laughs> super naturally. Because he's not living his life on his own. He's living his life in Christ Jesus. So he's doing super naturally. There's a lot of truth to that. By the way, Pastor Jeff, full of compassion, care, and he's a little corny too, just as you can tell with that that kind of response. 
We love you, brother. So Christmas. Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. Christmas is the birth of Jesus the Christ, God's Son. And I was thinking this week, actually, I think it was just yesterday morning, that this is kind of fun to be able to talk about the birth of Jesus on my birthday. Today being my birthday, like they said, I'm 39 again. Um, but, but frankly, there's nothing I'd rather focus on and talk about on my birthday than the birth of my Savior. Nothing. Nothing more important than that. Let me change gears just a little bit here. So I've got three boys, young men now, and, uh, and a daughter. And so I've had the privilege, my wife has talked to my daughter about this stuff, but I've had the privilege to talk to all three of my boys, have that talk with them. You know what I mean, that talk. That, that they call it sometimes the birds and the bees talk with my boys, right? Where we talk about sex. I just said it in church online for everybody to hear where I talk to them about sex and sexuality and, and God's beautiful design for it and what it's meant for and how to steward it for His glory. So I had that talk with, with, with all of them. And, and I'm not going to go into all the details today with y'all about the birds and the bees, okay? But I do feel like to set things up here as we're talking about the birth of Christ, that I do need to make sure that we're all on the same page. That it takes a man and a woman, it takes an egg, and this is the scientific term, a sperm, it takes a man and a woman, an egg and a sperm to conceive, to create human life. That's how God designed it. So we're on the same page there? All right, I'll leave out the rest. If we're on the same page, I don't have to go any further. If, if you we're not, I'm going to have to dive deeper into this. So we're on the same. You, we got it. Okay, we got it. All right? A man and a woman. That's how God designed the whole process of creating human life. It's the natural way, the way people are conceived. But what about Christmas? Is this how it all went down with Jesus? Y'all already know the answer? Just want me to close, pray, we're done. All right? No, we're going to dive in. Luke chapter 1. Open this up. Luke chapter 1, the gospel of Luke chapter 1. Verse 26 Scripture says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. By the way, that's important fact. The lineage of David. Now, the virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. I mean, she just had an angel greet her and talk to her. That's going to shake you up a little bit. All right? So, but the angel said to her, hey, do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. And then the angel said this to her, you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you are to call him Jesus. 
He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel. Since I'm a virgin, in other words, I thought you were an angel. I thought you understood. There's no man involved right now. How is this possible, right? The angel answered, well, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now, that's different. That's different than what happens with most people. That's supernatural. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age, and she who was said to be unable to conceive in her sixth month will conceive, for no word from God will ever fail. And maybe that's the word you need to hear right now for your life. No word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So again, Christmas is a reminder that God is supernatural. The first thing we're going to look at right now today, though, is the whole natural side of things. You see, the birth of Jesus, there was a normal natural side to the birth of Jesus. The angel, remember, told Mary this in verse 31. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you're to call him Jesus. All right. That sounds pretty normal and natural. That's how babies are born. A woman conceives and gives birth. There's a very normal part of the birth of Jesus. And that's a very important part about the birth of our Savior Jesus. See, Jesus was born of a woman. In other words, he was formed in his mother's womb. I was formed in my mother's womb. You in your mother's womb. Jesus was formed, put together, grew in his mother's womb, and then his mother Mary gave birth to him. Jesus was born flesh and blood into a physical world, a physical baby born into a physical world. The Son of God, through this physical birth, became what's called incarnate, in the flesh. So Jesus was born in that very natural or normal way. God put on flesh. God became a man and showed up fully human. The Son of God, fully human. This means that Jesus, that God, would experience what we all experience. When he walked on this earth, when he was born into this earth, incarnate, he would then experience all that we experience in the flesh. He would experience pain. Jesus would experience hunger. He would experience thirst. He would grow weary. 
Any of y'all grow weary, get tired? Yeah. Jesus has been there and done that in the flesh, fully human. Jesus would experience emotions, sorrow, disappointment, abandonment. He would also experience joy and peace. And then Jesus would be tempted in every way. Y'all know what it means to be tempted. Y'all ever, has anybody else in this room ever been tempted? Yeah. Jesus, in the flesh, fully human, incarnate, would be tempted in the same ways that you are tempted. In other words, he's been there now. He understands. He would ultimately experience death, physical death, pain and death. Why does this matter? It matters because Jesus is not unfamiliar with your pain. But he's Jesus. Yeah, he is. And he put on flesh. And he experienced pain in every way. It says this in Isaiah 53.3. It's prophesying of Jesus, speaking of his life. And it says that, that he, Jesus, was despised and rejected by mankind. Have you ever felt rejected? Jesus was despised and rejected by mankind. A man of suffering. And familiar with pain. Like one from whom people hide their faces, he was even despised. And we held him in low esteem. We got to remember this about Jesus. Jesus is not unfamiliar with your struggles. And Jesus is not unfamiliar with your battles against temptation. It says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we do not have a high priest, and they're speaking of Jesus in this passage of Scripture. So you could say, Jesus is that high priest. And he is not unable to empathize with our weaknesses. But we have one, speaking of Jesus, who has been tempted in every way. Just as we yet was without sin. But man, you don't understand what I'm dealing with. You don't understand the draw. You don't understand how hard this is. Jesus does. You see, he put on flesh. He didn't, he didn't just come to this world as some kind of other, otherworldly being, protected in some kind of you know, heavenly suit, so that he didn't have to deal with all the junk of the sinful, broken, messed up, sick world. He went all in. 
And in God's sovereignty, he decided that if I'm going to save them, I'm going to go be among them. And he put on flesh. I mean, it's astounding. When you pray and bring your needs to Jesus, you can be assured that he understands. When you're crying out, God, forgive me and help me with this temptation, I'm sick of it, but I feel so powerless, it's eating me up, and you're bringing it to Jesus, he understands. When you're dealing with pain, when somebody's hurt you, stepped all over you, abused you in some way, you're not talking to somebody who's, who's lived some kind of charmed life and, and, and never experienced. No, he understands. Do you pray in that way? Knowing that Jesus put on flesh. Kind of, it's, it's amazing that Jesus understands what it means to be human. Think about it this way, personalize it. Jesus knows what it's like to be you. Does anybody understand me? Maybe sometimes you feel that way. Does anybody understand what I'm really dealing with? There is somebody who understands. Jesus understands. He understands. Maybe nobody else around you does, but he understands. But the birth of Jesus wasn't just normal. Let's go to point number two. The supernatural birth of Jesus. So you have the natural, the normal birth of Jesus, which is absolutely important. Never gloss over that. But we also have this other side of the birth of Jesus, the supernatural birth of Jesus. And here's where it even goes to a whole nother level. Let's go back to verse 34. How will this be? In other words, how am I, how am I going to conceive? How am I going to have a baby? Mary asked. Since I'm a virgin, there's no man involved. How is this going to happen? The angel answered, because the Holy Spirit's going to come on you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you, so the Holy One will be born, who will be born will be called the Son of God. And if you look into Matthew chapter 1, the second half of verse 18, it speaks this. It says, but before they came together, speaking of Mary and Joseph, do I got to go back to the birds and the bees here, what we're talking about? Okay. Before they came together, Mary and Joseph, she was found to be with child How? Through the Holy Spirit. That's what is being spoken of here in Luke when it talks about, yeah, yeah, you've never experienced a man. Yeah, you and Joseph have never gone there. You've never done that. But the Holy Spirit's going to overshadow you. And you will be found with child. How? Through the Holy Spirit, as it says in Matthew 1.18. So, unlike the normal 
physical process of procreation, Jesus was uniquely conceived in the womb of the Virgin Mary. How? By the power of the Holy Spirit. No daddy involved. No man involved. God did something supernatural. Supernatural. So let's talk about this. Why? Why go to this extent? Why no daddy? Why no man? Why did the Holy Spirit need to get involved in this? Why did God choose to do something supernatural? Because Jesus came to this earth for a very, very, very important reason. He came to this earth on a mission to seek and save the lost. Let's remember that. It wasn't just so that we could have a holiday and sing Christmas carols and, and put presents under trees and, and eat, eat food together. No. Jesus put on flesh. He came to this broken, messed up, sinful world on a mission to seek and save the lost. Jesus came not to know sin, but to break the power of sin. That was his mission. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says, So God made him, Jesus, who had no sin, to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. The mission of Jesus. Why he put on flesh. Why he came to this earth. Therefore, Jesus had to be the one who knew no sin in order to become sin for us. And so Jesus couldn't be born into sin. Or the mission from the very beginning would have been squandered, blown up, unsuccessful. So, he couldn't be born of Adam's seed. Why? Because from Adam's seed is past the sinful nature of original sin. It says in Ephesians 2.3, we are by nature children of wrath. And so God had to do something supernatural. Because in the natural, we already messed it up way back with Adam. And so for God to fulfill the loving mission that he was sending his son on, he had to go above the natural. So God did something supernatural. His son would be born of a virgin woman, fully human, but also born of the Holy Spirit, fully divine and without sin. Let's remember something, too, about this whole deal with Christmas and, and the virgin birth. It's not some isolated doctrine. It's all connected to the entire gospel of Jesus. The good news of salvation through Christ. It's tied closely to the person, to the work, and the mission of Christ. Paul reminds us of this. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 15, 21 just for a moment here. It says that, For since death came through a man, speaking of Adam, 
The resurrection of the dead comes also through a man. Speaking of Jesus. Yet just as the birth of Jesus was supernatural, so the resurrection of Jesus on the third day was also supernatural, which means that the promise that God has for us of our resurrection will also be supernatural, and God's going to do that as well. I read a quote from Irenaeus, who was an early church father, and he put it this way. He said, if one does not accept the Son of God's birth from a virgin... How can he accept his resurrection from the dead? So again, as we look at Christmas, it's supernatural. It's pointing out that that God goes above and beyond the natural in order to accomplish his sovereign will and purpose for humanity, which is to seek and save the lost, to make a way for us to be reconciled to God. He'll go the distance. He went the distance then, supernaturally raising his son from the dead. And he has promised that we who are in Christ will also be supernaturally resurrected just as Christ was. It's all tied together. God is supernatural. And Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. You see, Jesus was born holy and sinless. In distinction from any other person that has ever been born, Jesus the one and only, born sinless. Jesus was not represented by Adam when the first man sinned and is therefore not, quote, in Adam. That's important. Instead, Jesus is the head of new creation. That's who he is. That's the supernatural will of God, the whole way that God designed for His Son to come into this world. It's supernatural. Jesus was born, but check this out. Think about this. Some people have some wrong doctrine in this. So Jesus was half man and half God. That's totally not true. That's heresy, man. That's wrong. He's not some, some like cyborg kind of being or something like that. Half man, half God. Jesus was fully man, as we've already talked about. Fully human. Fully man. But at the same time, fully 100% divine. Fully 100% God. That's supernatural. There's no other example of that ever. And there never will be. For God did something above and beyond the natural in order to accomplish his sovereign, perfect, loving will. Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. All right, point three. We're going to start bringing this thing home here. So Jesus gets born, right? He's born. It's natural, and it's supernatural. But the supernatural aspect of of the life of Jesus didn't just stop there with his birth. I mean, it continued day in and day out, all the way up to today and forever. So let's go to point number three, the supernatural life of Jesus. 
Just as God displayed his unique supernatural attributes and in his sovereignty in the birth of his son, that birth and life also displays how God is supernatural. You see, what happened later on? What happened when this fully human and fully divine Jesus walked on this earth? Was it natural? Yeah, there was a lot of natural things. He grew weary. We talked about his emotions and all of that. But there was a lot of supernatural that was released in the life of Jesus. Jesus would do things like like turn water into wine. That's supernatural. Jesus walked on water. That's supernatural. Jesus would heal the sick. He would even raise the dead. He would cast out demons. That's all supernatural. You see, the supernatural aspect of Jesus didn't just stop at his birth. Nor did it stop at the resurrection of Jesus. But God is still supernatural in and through Christ Jesus. God is still above and beyond the natural laws that constrain you and me. Can I get an amen on that? Amen. Amen. God is still healing the sick. I've seen it. Have you seen it? We just heard a testimony of it from Steve. God is still healing the sick. God is still raising the dead. I've seen that as well. Right, Scott? Causing the lame man to walk. I've seen it. God is still setting the captives free. I've not only seen it, I've lived it myself. A walking testimony of that. God is still in the business of the supernatural today. You see, the Bible says it, and we actually see it. If we would open up our eyes, we see God doing what He said He would do and always has done. Again, this isn't just some theological construct. It's not just some story. It's not just some reason for the season. This is the living God who put on flesh, walked among us, supernaturally appeared and was placed on this earth to save us. And he's still very much alive and active in this world today. So the question for us is, do we live in this reality? Do we live in the reality that God can step in at any time and do anything? When we're facing an obstacle, when we're hitting a brick wall, when we have massive disappointment or get bad news from the doctor or whatever it might be, are we still living in the reality that God can show up at any time and do anything? anything. He's done it time and time again. Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. There's nothing that God cannot do. I think that's from another kid's song that we used to sing with the kids, right? Nothing that God cannot do. Dun, 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 dun. Nothing can stand in the way of the love of God. Nothing can can thwart his plans, as they say. Nothing can stop him. So the question is, is do you know God in this way? Do you know God as the one who is supernatural? 
who is above the natural. That you're just slugging through every single day. Do you pray in this way? Knowing that you're praying to the one who is supernatural. Supernatural. I want to end with this, though. The greatest supernatural act that any of us can ever experience from Jesus this Christmas or any day, the greatest supernatural act is the forgiveness of our sins. The greatest supernatural act is the new birth that we can have because of the work of the supernatural one, Jesus. The greatest supernatural act or experience that we will ever have in our lives is when we become new creations in Christ Jesus. The old passing away, the new coming. You want to talk about doing the impossible. I'm looking around this room and I'm looking at my, well, I'm not looking at my, I'm pointing at myself. And I'm saying, that is the, the, the most amazing thing. That he can take sinners, wretches, broken, beat up, enemies of God. And he can make us new. He can make us new. He can, he can take us from spiritual Deadness to life at His Word, by His Word, because of His work. Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. And as I look around this room, you all remind me that God is supernatural. There is nothing, there is nothing that God cannot do. Nothing. And this great mission of doing the impossible, of seeking and saving the lost, that, that was the mission of Christmas. I just, I just, I just think as we, as we look at Christmas, we need to get focused on Jesus. We need to come back face to face with who Christ is. Okay? But, but I also want to remind us, I believe God wants us also to come face to face with the mission that Jesus came for in the first place. To seek and save the lost. Again, he didn't put on flesh for Christmas carols. And Christmas trees and presents and all that kind of stuff. He put on flesh to save sinners. To bring reconciliation. The ministry of reconciliation. That's the purpose of Christmas. And my prayer is, is, is as we're getting in touch with Christmas and being reminded of that, that we're getting in touch with our part now in the mission of reconciliation, the mission of Christmas. It's amazing. What we couldn't do, God did for us through His Son. I pulled out this scripture just to end with this. 
from 1 Peter 1, verses 18 and 19. For you know that it was not with perishable things, such as silver or gold, that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors, but with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect. And you may be going, well, that's, that's a picture of the cross. You know what happened before the cross? Because God has a plan, and His plan is perfect. He sent His Son, and His Son put on flesh. And He sent His Son in a supernatural way that He, that had no sin, would become sin for us. And that He would hang on a cross. And as a man in the flesh, be beaten, whipped, abused, and bleed out for us. They don't tell that story or sing that song on on Christmas. But that's a big why of Christmas. Why was he born? Why flesh? Why spirit? Why incarnate? Why divine? For God so loved the world. That's why. And God is supernatural. And his love is supernatural. And his plans are supernatural. Christmas reminds us that God is supernatural. I'd like for you to stand.